Coming up on Guys Talking Sports, we talk about the whole incident between the NCAA and Louisville. Now that Louisville's 2013 championship is now full front, what happens next? We also going to dive into the NBA All-Star game. Um, whether or not we checked it out is one thing, but we're going to talk about the NBA All-Star game. And also, we're going to talk about whether or not players should maybe not attend the All-Star game. We're also going to talk about the format um, now that it could be a possibility of a change of one to 16 instead of the Eastern and Western Conference playoffs in the NBA. So we're going to dive a little bit more into that as well. My co-hosts Earl Ross and Adrian Catwell join me, Al Pauls, and that's on Guys Talking Sports, which is right now. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. Uh, I am one of the co-hosts, Al Quarles. Thank you again to everybody subscribing, listening, whether it's on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, YouTube, Google Podcasts, anywhere. Um, we do really do appreciate you guys listening in. So without further ado, we're going to get started. Got my co-hosts with me. I got Earl Ross and Adrian Catmel- Catwell. Sorry. So what's going on, fellas, man? How you guys doing? Doing good. Living a dream, as always. Getting old. I can't stay up past 10 o'clock nowadays. But what's going on, everybody? <laughs> I think we're all in agreement with that. <laughs> That's for sure. So we're going we're gonna to get started. We're going to jump right into it. Let's talk about the Louisville. Um, they're... The, the whole Louisville incident where right now the appeals court um, rescinded their, their appeal. So it looks like they have to give up their 2013 champ, I mean, championship. So we're going to get right into it. So I'm, at, I'm going to deter to you guys in regards to the whole Louisville situation. So who wants to start first? Um... I guess I guess what I would chime in and, and say that I believe that the NCAA don't really know what the heck they're trying to do as far as what's considered what's considered you know uh, trying to drop the hammer on a particular program versus trying to trying to just in, in, enable some sort of force. I mean, uh, I say that because. You got Louisville. Unfortunately, you know, the program under Rick Pitino had strippers come through and do whatever with recruits come in and, you know, entertain, I guess you would want to call it. Um, and the NCAA wants to drop a major hammer, vacate a national championship, vacate all wins. But then you got North Carolina. They got players over here cheating and getting fictitious grades and such to keep their basketball and their football team eligible. And they pretty much get a slap in the wrist. I, I, I mean, I think the role should be reversed. I think UNC should be forfeiting games and losing national championships and such. And I'm not saying that Louisville should get off with some sort of, you know, a stern talking to. But in, in the same sense, you're trying to tell me because I had some big booty girls shaking their butt in front of me that – I didn't go out and put forth effort in the classroom and on the court 
to win a national championship or to get the wins that they got, I just think it's totally unfair. Yeah, I think that, you know, the way the NCAA has been handling these things is definitely it's questionable. I mean, they're trying to act like they're the tough guy, you know, or try to play, you know, you know, good cop out here when in actuality, I mean, we, we all know these kind of things have happened at most college campuses. I mean, they just never got out there in the open. And I think the NCAA, to a large degree, turned a blind eye to a lot of things as long as stuff wasn't blatantly out in the open. Now, with this one, Louisville, I mean, it was, I think that was probably the, um, the, the breaking point. I mean, there was no way around, around this, the way that they were trying to attract students. Now, if anything, I don't see how you should, how you should vacate wins. I mean, if anything, it should be the people who are in charge that should, you know, be, you know, banned from basketball for one or two years, whatever. The players themselves didn't necessarily do anything wrong. I mean, they were brought to the school. That environment was put in front of them to enhance them to want to go there. There was no money involved. There was no money involved to any 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 family members, any coaches, at least not that we're aware of. You know, it was that particular incident where they had, you know, those type of activities, which to me, I'm like, as you said, Ace, I mean, you know, girl just shaking, you know, butt in front of a guy and do whatever. If they didn't come out of pocket and pay for anything, it's not necessarily a criminal charge, but I think it's the guys that set that up as the ones that should get their hands slapped, not necessarily, you know, you, you're gonna, um, you're gonna bring these, the hammer down on, on Louisville and, um, the kids that had nothing to do with it, didn't do anything. They were on a the team. They were like, you know, the bench warmers, whatever. They're the ones that get their whole wins and national championship strips. It's like, why are you going to penalize people that didn't have anything to do with it or didn't do anything with it when in actuality it was the people that was around the school, the coaches, you know, the, you know, the smaller coaches, the handlers, they're the people that brought this stuff out there. Like, like I said before, NCAA knows this stuff has been going on, you know, for years. I mean, good Lord. I mean, you want to look at some stuff, go, go down to Miami back in the, back in the early, Early and mid eighties, you know, so, you know, let's call a spade a spade, but, um, you know, I guess in this new heightened climate of everything, you know, everything being PC correct, they got to bring the hammer down. And like you said, Ace, I mean, if you're going to bring the hammer down on them, you should bring the hammer down on, you know, in, you know, North Carolina. Now they might have a little bit more cachet than Louisville at this particular point, you know, based on the, the history of the basketball that goes back for, you know, a little bit longer than Louisville. But like I said, to me, that's much more an egregious effect because you are changing scores and allowing people who are ineligible to play while they're on a team, not affecting anybody who's deciding to go to that school and they didn't get any money or do anything before even got in, got to the school. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, for it's unfortunate that we are in a position where the NCAA is doing what it still does. Um, there is no sense of urgency when it comes to dealing with these situations that the school, and of course, there's a lot of schools that, like you said, they do, there's things that are so outrageous, more outrageous than others. But the NCAA always does it like half done so to speak. Like, if you're going to correct or penalize one school for one particular aspect, 
they should definitely focus on all schools that are part of the NCAA. And to be honest, I'm surprised that they don't, they haven't done this or somebody hasn't spoken out against this. At least some of the schools should at least been at a position where they're like, hey, this team, you know that this team is doing this and you're penalizing them. You're not even giving them the harshest penalty. And there are so many other schools, maybe because they feel as though that, you know, they may have something to hide. But the thing about it is, is that the NCAA has done half things, have done things half, haphazardly um, throughout this whole tenure. And, you know, you can't penalize one team for something like that and not focus on other teams as well. And like you said, this, this whole thing of, you know, leverage where one team gets small penalties penalties where the other one gets it has to be some type of balance there and obviously there's not there's no balance there when it comes to dealing with the NCAA and their penalties towards the colleges and universities I agree wholeheartedly and until they come through and, and try to regulate or try to you know put some stuff in tears or you know Academic fraud is academic fraud. I mean, a, a typical student will get kicked out of school and expelled for academic fraud. But yet, football players and basketball basketball players are taking egregious classes and getting bogus uh, Pan-African studies classes for A's just to make sure they keep their GPAs up. But yet, you know, it's, it's well documented. They had tutors taking classes for them and tests and all this type of crap. But, you know, not, not even a simple probation, no no bans from bowl games, you know, that happened in the past. You can't penalize the current current players, but yet Louisville went and, you know, self-imposed. They they, they, they said that they weren't going to participate in any postseason activities. They limited scholarships. They did everything that they thought they could because they did something wrong for the NCAA to say, you know, yeah, that's all well and good, but we're going to go ahead and take these wins away from you too as if the big booty girls is out there dribbling the ball and making layups for them during the national championship run. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's just bananas to me. But the same tutors that were going on when that uh, North Carolina football team was really really doing well was out there helping them during the season, during study halls and doing papers and taking tests and things of that nature. But yet, you know, there's, there's this huge disparity about what's what's a bigger issue or what's a bigger violation. It's just, it's just, it's just horrible. Yeah, I mean, the NCAA, you know, as an entity is just, in my opinion, a complete farce. I mean, you know, they're only going to do stuff when it gets out, gets out in the open. I mean, like I said, the, those kind of, you know, strippers and stuff going on, I, 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 mean, I don't know anybody where I went to school at. I seen that stuff already go on. So I mean, come on, let's 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 call it what it is. But the NCAA didn't want to step in until the F to the feds were all in their back pocket. You know, Louisville tried to self-impose their stuff, and then I, you know, they said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna you know make full disclosure, and then NCAA comes back and vacates the wins. Is gonna make other schools that that see stuff go on not want to say anything especially if they're aware that the feds aren't into it. I mean, it was the feds that brought all this stuff out to light. I mean, you take this stuff back, business as usual. And like I said, NCAA is, a, you know, that's another broader discussion, but they're 
a complete farce, in my opinion, and just a big money-making entity. And we all know the big heightens of money-making is about to start up in a few weeks once March Madness goes. And that's like outside of, you know, college football, you know, tournament, I mean, the bowl games, that's like the second biggest money-maker that they got out there. Now, before you you say something, I want to kind of throw in this whole uh, Adidas uh, FBI program that's going on. And I know Louisville's involved because Patino is somewhat kind of involved in that. And I think this, I think the, the scandal with the strippers or whatever culminated with this whole Adidas thing. Now, I'm wondering if the NCAA, now this is something I just thought of actually, if the NCAA kind of dropped a hammer in accordance with what they feel as though is going to come out with this whole thing with Adidas and, uh, the whole situation with the coaches being involved and the monies that are being involved. I wonder, I wonder if that's partly, partly to blame for how they kind of came down so hard on Luke. I wouldn't be surprised. That's pretty much, I mean, I would not be surprised at all. And that's as simple as I can get. I mean, at this point, with everything that's been going on, um, especially with the Adidas thing, I, I would not be surprised. I'm like, when you first heard about the Adidas thing, you saw so many people involved in it. It's, it was like, you kind of knew, but still that list of people where it, it, at this point, it, I would not be surprised if majority of big schools and whoever would be involved in this. It, it's not as shocking. It's not as shockingly as it would be like maybe years back, um, because there's so much corruption now. And, and to be honest, NCAA, you can sit, I mean, to some degree is part of that corruption. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised that of any of it. Me neither. I mean, to me, I think the whole Adidas, I think it's a way of trying to get out in front of everything, trying to make like they're doing good and trying to, keep this, you know, illusion of the student athlete when where they're using the student athlete to make money and, you know, profit off of it and, you know, promote their stuff. I mean, everybody's in the bed, whether it's Adidas, whether it's Nike, Under Armour, Reebok, you know, it goes on. Everybody's got their hand, you know, hand in, hand in the pocket and NCAA is taking all this money and they only bring down the hammer when it's necessary. A sponsor starting to get a little bit rattled. And, you know, they need to give the appearance that they're trying to do something. So to make to make it look good, to make a nice PR thing, to make it go, a, you know, quickly, not quietly, but more so quickly, they don't bring the hammer down to say, okay, we're policing our own, you know, we're keeping us losing student athlete. Oh, by the way, March Madness is coming up. I want you guys to um, buy ads, you know, buy um, commercials, you know, during tournaments. I mean, as I sit there and think about it, I think I was a Bleacher Reporter somewhere where not the latest bracketology that came out, but the, I think, bracketology that Joe Lenardi and somebody else might have came out with late last week. And they came out with their top 16 seeds. And they were saying how out of the top 16, there were eight schools that were going to probably be affected by this whole Adidas uh, situation. And everybody's speculating as to what coaches or because they were saying those are 
couple Hall of Fame coaches that are going to be indicted in this and some uh, possible lottery players, um, kids that are coming out there, possibly lottery players that are going to be affected by this. And I, I just thought it was really interesting, and I was just – it wouldn't be – it wouldn't be beneath the feds to sit there and drop this bombshell right as they're about to announce March Madness, just to kind of just make things a lot more interesting. And I'm curious to know how the NCAA is going to react if a ton of their or the good majority of their blue blood programs, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, etc., um, who they feel are the, the the backbone of college basketball, if they are indeed part of that indictment how they're gonna how they're gonna move forward. I mean, can they allow them to play in the tournament? Should they allow them to play in the tournament? I mean, I guess it's all speculation at this point, but I, how do you guys feel about that? I I I, I would say this. Um like I said, nothing would, would surprise me at this point. Um, whether they would allow them to play in the tournament remains to be seen. I think we'll, they'll definitely be in much more bigger news than where things are when it comes to dealing with the NCAA. I think that if you bring this out there before the tournament, that now becomes the news, not so much the tournament per se, per se but people will watch the tournament because of the reactions of what happened from if this was to come out before that. So I... The NCAA could see it as a blessing in disguise um, because people are going to be more tuned in, which in terms will increase the revenue sales for the NCAA. Uh, so I could see that happening. But like I said before, nothing at this point, at this stage, would surprise me if they do or don't at this at this point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, if the fans would are going to drop a bombshell and they were to do it on the eve of, of March Madness. I mean, you got a couple of indictments out there. The coach is probably still coach. The players are probably still play because you still have due process. And the schools are going to want to try to, unless it's, you know, some kind of sexual predatory thing that's going on where they got to, you know, cut ties immediately. They're going to let a little, you know, money changing hands erroneously or some stuff like that go a lot farther than some other stuff where you can't you can't kind of say, well, we got to let due process go. So the Fed's drop some charges, maybe let's say the week the week before, right during the um, right during the um, you know the I mean um, the conference championship games or whatever. You're gonna get some news like Al said, but sometimes all you know bad news is good news. It'll be a lot more. To attention focus on March Madness. I mean, the worst thing that would have probably would have what would happen would be now, now if that stuff comes out, because now you're jeopardizing certain programs where they might be in a position to say a Kentucky can't play or a Arizona can't play or a you know a, not to do but a North Carolina can't play. Somebody that's out there that's saying that the team cannot play. But if you catch them right before March Madness, they're going to let them go. They're going to deal with it afterwards. Which I think, unfortunately, just for the money aspect of it, I think it's kind of messed up considering, you know, the, the circumstances. Because why should the lucky few be able to uh, be able to 
pull the kind of crap that they're pulling and still be able to sit there and play. And even, what if one of them wins and then they turn around and say, well, you know what, we need to vacate that national championship because you did it against the rules and would have stopped another team, albeit maybe a mid-major. And Gonzaga maybe could have finally broke through. Who knows? Somebody could finally break through and win a national championship. But we would never know because they weren't able to play the game in a sense that, you know, to have those teams not be involved. Uh, but, I mean, I get both of y'all points. I just think it's really kind of messed up. If if it is indeed that they drop this bombshell and they're still being able to play and they just deal with it after the fact. I think it's an evaluation. Just cut their loss, cut their ties, you know, and recognize that this particular championship, this uh, March Madness may come out of a, at a huge loss financially, but at least they got it right as far as on a moral standpoint. But and I, I agree with what you're saying. Is um, the thing about it is is that because in, in in hindsight, what about the teams that, like you said, have been doing good? You know, good and well that there's going to be. You're talking about a tournament where a team that, for whatever reason, is in there that may not supposed to be in there, and another team could easily make the argument and say hey, we have the same amount of wins or the same amount of tournament wins against this team or, you know, on our conference, but yet you gave them – we may have even a tougher schedule than this team, but you put this team in there knowing that all these allegations is out there. You know, teams could actually have a legit gripe with the NCAA if this goes forward, and that could be a big problem because if you have a couple of teams start to – argue about this uh, towards the NCAA, there's, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the teams takes it all the way to, like, you know, maybe some type of court where they, you know, would argue the fact that they, they should be there and this team should not be there. So, I mean, there's a lot of ramifications if certain things play out the way it should. There could be a lot of ramifications for the future. Yeah, like I said, I mean, in my opinion – if it comes out on the eve of the March Madness, the show is still going to go on. It'll make a lot more entry and treat too much money at that point. You can't, you can't yank a team out there, like I said, until due process. And that due process is going to ha- is not going to happen within that two, within a two to four week span of March Madness. The due process is going to take a month, two months after the fact. So I would say, like I said, worst case, the worst would be if it happened right now, and then you're saying a couple of, let's say, your top five, ring five teams are ineligible. That was Virginia, Michigan State, Villanova. I think Duke is in the mix. Now, that would be a lot worse than dropping it right there and then saying that with all the controversy, because you'll have it. They'll just pray that those top teams lose early, and that way you get the conversation out the way. So do you believe this not to cut you off, but so do you believe that the feds doing their investigation will have no bearing on what the NCAA is doing? Do you think the NCAA is working in cahoots with the feds trying to get this you know, try to get this thing kind of settled? I don't know. <laughs> if I'm NCAA, I will I would work with the feds. Because, because the last thing you want the feds to do is to look into the NCAA um, more closely in what they're doing now. So if I'm the NCAA, I would do everything in my power to work with the feds 
on anything. Right. Because not not to cut you off, E, but what I was saying, you know, you're saying that, you know, the NCAA will have to do their due process where you don't believe that it'll take a month or two, like, you know, as far as football and allegations, whatever, it takes them, seems like it takes them years to sit there and make a determination. But in this case, with the feds, you know, I think that if the FBI is doing some, what they're doing, and, and they find as though this these teams did what they did, I think as the NCAA, the hell with the, the NCAA tournament for those teams. They need to just, nah, you know, and still take their month or two to determine, determine what actions are going to take course. But for the immediate, I think they need to get the, you know, they need to get booed from the tournament. That would be the most right thing to do. But we're talking about the NCAA, so they're not going to do the right thing to do. They're going to do what's beneficial for the the dollar bills. I completely agree with you. And that's the, and unfortunately, that's where the morality uh, doesn't come to fruition. I guess because you know it's, it's sad when the the almighty dollar reigns supreme. And then it makes it makes it look like what these universities are doing is no different than when NCAA is trying to pick the universities for. A vicious cycle. <laughs> exactly what it is. It is a vicious cycle. And we can continue to hear more because I'm pretty sure there's going to be more stories to come in regards to the NCAA and all the other colleges and universities that is out there. Um, but for now, we're going to move on. Um, probably going to pick this up sometime next week in regards to it, but we're going to move on and switch to another topic. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit about the NBA. Um, I don't know if you guys caught the All-Star Weekend. I certainly did not um, to an extent, um, but I do want to say a quick shout-out to Spencer Dinwiddie from the Brooklyn Nets for winning the Skills Challenge. Um, but <laughs> I digress. Um, what are y'all guys' taught thoughts? Um, if y'all, Number one, if y'all caught the All-Star Game, and number two, what did you guys think of it? I I would be remiss to say that I kind of missed everything, but I did catch um, I did I did see some of the highlights of the slam dunk competition, and you know when you see one dunk, you almost see them all. <laughs> it's really hard unless I mean unless you want to go to the uh, to the N one mixtape circuit and get those guys to do some dunks. That might bring a little bit more of excitement out there, but. I mean, what the guys are doing now is just, I haven't been excited. Well, I'm going to take that back. The dunk contest that they had about two years ago was actually pretty darn good. But since then, prior to that. Which one? That was the one where they had the um, kid from Orlando Magic and the other guy that was really like. Oh, you're talking about, oh, the Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine? That was probably the most interesting slam dunk I've seen in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um. And I mean, you know, I did see the one dunk. I forget the kid's name. He's trying to reenact the, you know, Vince Carter, you know, dunk. Oh, Don Mitchell. Yeah, where he did the spin and he and he did it. Unfortunately, when they showed the original, it was much much better because <laughs> Vince Carter brought it way back from like Texas and dropped it in. This guy just turned around, and just whoop, dropped it in, and uh, so it didn't have the same effect, you know, that it had. But um, you know, I mean, the All Star Game was interesting. I think that um. Well, I understand, you know, it was, I guess, pretty competitive. You want to call it 148 to 145 <laughs> competitive game. But, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, LeBron James team won. I mean, he got the MVP. 
I found it very interesting when you look at the box scores that with Steph's team, everybody was there was nobody really over twenty points outside of, you know, was it um Damar Rosen that had I think twenty one points. And uh when you go to on um, LeBron James team, he only he was the only person that was way over twenty points, like I think close to thirty. So I mean when you're on LeBron James team is LeBron James all day, all the time. So I think he wanted to make a point about winning the MVP based on all this stuff swirling around his Cleveland Cavaliers team. And so to me, yeah. I did miss the one thing I actually like to look at. That's the um, skills challenge and the um, three-point challenge. Which I actually do like, but I did see the Kobe, um, Kobe and Shaq, uh, players only interview, and I thought that was extremely interesting. I missed that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I did manage to see some of the three point shootout. I, I, I don't know when the format changed, but it's, uh, I, yeah, I, I must be really disconnected with All Star Weekend because. They only have two rounds now. <laughs> it flip it, it it flip flops. Okay, okay. Hey, well, I was happy to see somebody not go to state win. Um, <laughs> um, I did not watch the skills challenge, but I saw Joel and B it was pretty funny when he was going through. Couldn't couldn't throw the ball through the through the tire. Uh, uh, but uh, for the most part, I, I did find it interesting. I don't know if this is something that they did for the all-star game all the time, but the the winning team won a, a, got a $100,000 bonus for winning. And I'm not sure if that's something that was new for this year or it's something they might have done in the past. I, I was not aware of it being done in the past. No, um, well, um, they did. The winner of, usually the winner of the all-star game does receive a, a cash bonus. Um I mean, well, receive a bonus, I should say. Um, but the thing about it is that they doubled the, the bonus for the winning team, um, to make it, to be honest, to make it more competitive. Okay. And I think that the opportunity for 11 dudes to get 100K, so 1.1 mil for the winning team, uh, wasn't a bad idea. Um, I can't say yay or nay if there was any real defense, but considering the score from this past weekend versus what the score was last year, it's a significant improvement as far as defense. <laughs> um, but it doesn't doesn't even come close to the, uh, the NBA All Star games of, of the '90s when the first three quarters they were having fun, but they made it a point in the fourth quarter to try to lock it down and actually play real basketball to make the, you know, the ending of the game at least a little bit more compelling. Um, so maybe they might be trying to get back to that. Um, but, you know, it's all for show. It's all a good fun. And I'm sure that, you know, they, they want to go out there and try to stay injury free. And that's partly, partly probably some of the reason why they don't play much defense and, Give the good old Olay treatment, you know, just heavy way at it, you know, the basket. So, um, but all in all, it's it's all in good fun. I I, I would definitely have to YouTube the the player uh, players only uh, conversation between Kobe and Shaq just to get a to get an idea of what's going on with that and 
maybe have some conversation. I, you know, I caught a, I did call, catch a little glimpse when talking about what Shaq was saying that because he had Kobe, he didn't feel as though he needed to come back into camp in shape. And Kobe would say that would piss him off. So I saw that one little blurb. So I'm sure there's more going in with that. So, but overall, I guess it was a great weekend. Highly, highly entertaining and, uh, uh not talking about, uh, the Star Scandal, Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> epic fail, epic fail. <laughs> well, she tried to be so full, yet not so full. <laughs> epic fail. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to um, comment about that. that um, I mean, the comments speak for itself. I mean, social media is just ripped. I mean, you know, and the players' reactions, like we said um, earlier before, um, when we before we started this, was just priceless. It was not the players, the people in the audience that was sitting there snickering as well. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, like I said before, <laughs> it, it, she, it, it could have been worse. It could have been worse than Carl Lewis. So at this point, you know, she still, she, it, it was bad, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, let me ask you a quick question, you guys a quick question, because in talking about the, in the, the, NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not. And to be honest, I just caught it um, on social media. Minnesota's Jimmy Butler um, went to the coach and told him not to play any minutes in the NBA All-Star Game. And when you go back and look at it, he didn't even play one minute of the NBA All-Star Game Sunday. Um, he told the coaches that, you know, he appreciates – you know, being in part of the team and everything, but if you don't mind, you know, I don't want to, you know, you don't have to put me in um, for any minutes. So they did, they just let him stay on the bench. Um, do you think that that's something that NBA stars are going to probably start doing going forward? Because when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. But I could see that being a problem for some people. But what did you think about that? Shouldn't get paid. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, well, I'm pretty sure he's still going to get paid but what's the point of then if that's the case if you know your intentions that you don't want to play then give it to somebody who's who's wanting and deserving and would like to showcase and to say hey I'm an all-star give me the opportunity to play but here's well, so then, but, all right, so let me ask you a question so I mean because he still wants the recognition of being the all-star but just didn't want to play the minutes during the All Star game. Well, I agree. His his reasoning behind it, he said he was fatigued. He was tired. Yeah. Which legitimately is for everybody out there. Everybody was was dragging ass the last two weeks before the All Star All Star break. And so, well, I'm in agreement with today. So if you if you come there and you know like I really need to rest rest myself, you say hey, thank you for you know you know I want to be an All Star. But you can do like in the NFL, be like, nah, I ain't gonna play. Let somebody else go. You can say I was picked as an all-star, but you can like the NFL guys come out and say, nah, I'm not gonna play. Let somebody else. They'll just pick somebody. You know, they'll grab somebody else. I would have been. I'm fine with his reasoning for not wanting minutes because he was fatigued because everybody was. A lot of people still play, but if you need that fatigue legitimately for a rest and be ready to go the second half of the season, then like he said. A, you don't get paid, and B, let somebody else who you know who's deserving take your spot and keep it going. Yeah, like 
that simple. Go on vacation, right? <laughs> right. Relax. Go home. Kick your feet up. Watch it from TV, just like everybody else. Yeah, but I, it, it does kind of like it is a kind of conundrum when you think of. I mean, like it's puzzling when you think about it because you say you don't want to play any minutes and stuff, but yet you're there at the All Star festivities. Probably went to all the parties and after events that was there. Probably had to do the signing of autograph sessions and talking with media. You've probably done a lot of those things, but yet you fatigue and <laughs> now you know, just thinking about it now just makes me kinda of laugh about that. But I just thought it was interesting the fact that he waited till then to tell him that, you know, he didn't want to play any minutes. He still wanted to be treated like an all star. So I, I agree with what you're saying, Ace. If that was the case, you should think about that beforehand and let somebody else become an all star club. I I agree with you on that. But to get back to your original point, how I can I can definitely see moving forward, you know, a few other NBA players probably pulling that same thing. I don't think they're going to wait till the game, hopefully, but I can definitely see them getting the getting the recognition, but then bowing out. So, do you think this will be any different than a big glorified ABC Saturday night game between Houston and San Antonio? And you got Chris Paul and James Harden sitting, and you don't got none of the stars in San Antonio. So you got a big-time matchup with no key players playing, and you're subjected to watching the game. And I see it now becoming an all-star game with all your your B to B-plus players because all the A-listers are saying, you know what, I really appreciate it. My legs hurt, you know. I don't want to go out there. And it's bad enough you can't get the stars to do the dunk championship. It's bad enough your best three-point players, three-point shooters, aren't doing the three-point competition. It's bad enough you can't even get your premier players to do the skills competition. <laughs> so now you're going to start talking about bowing out and not play the all-star game? Then what's the point? Might as well just wait till the end of the season when nobody really cares about it because the championship is done and just be done with it. <laughs> Well, like you said before, Ace, that would never happen because the NBA cares about the money aspect of it. So from an all-star standpoint, it doesn't have to be stars that's actually there. It could be, like you said, it could be like second-tier, third-tier type players, and still they would make it them, you know, they'll just go down the list and make them become an all-star and have them participate in the festivities. And that's just something be, that's just going to be something that's going to probably happen as more players probably would sit out. It's a money thing. But would you spend your money to go travel to whatever destination that the All-Star game is going to be at to see not the top players of the NBA play? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, as far as, like, say if the Pro Bowl was in Philly or say the Pro Bowl was in the Meadowlands. But you know the top players in the NFL ain't going to be there, but it's just football. You like football, but you want to see your top players. Would you go spend your hard-earned money to see somebody who it's a Pro Bowl, but none of the players that you're interested in playing is playing? To be honest, the, pot, the money would probably go – the prices would probably go down a little bit if that was the case from a marketing <laughs> standpoint. So I may, may would actually consider that. To be honest, it's – from a fan's perspective, yeah, the top stars would be, you know, the number one reason to go see. But, y'all, honestly, they just want to go to experience the, the, the actual event. 
So I can honestly see people playing money for like all-star games or Pro Bowls with not all the stars being there. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but the thing about it is that people paid to see, like you said, there was no stars, the usual stars that you would want there to be at the slam dunk competition, the skills, three-point competition. You don't have them people there now, but yet they still people still go to see the skills competition, the dunk contest, and the three pointers with second tier people players. Not saying that they're you know everybody's a second tier player, but my point is that they'll still go see and pay their money whether it, who's there on the court. Yeah, I, I think that you know, you know, I think even with Jimmy Butler, I think yeah, there's a potential risk of that getting more players doing it. I mean. The problem is when you start getting your um, top five starters, I think when you start getting a, a bunch of those go out, which I don't think is going to happen, it could. I don't think it is going to happen. But I think if you get a year where you get, like, two people from one person's team or two people from another person's team saying that, hey, I'm not going to play because I'm tired of whatever reason they want to just be there and hang out, I can definitely see Adam Silver doing something about that, saying that, you know, if you get picked, you got to play. I can see them trying to curtail that. But right now, I think they're, you have to, we have to wait and see if Jim Butler is just a one-off. Most people, most, most players shy away from the three point and the the dunk contest anyway, but they'll sit there and yak it up for the all-star game because it's a place, you know, to be seen. I mean, I look at this like now with, college bowl games like now the big stars of the college football if they're not in the uh, the championship playoff and they know that they're a pretty pretty high draft you know draft stock or draft pick and then now they're sitting out because they don't want to play in these games because of due, due to injury I mean it, it's probably something similar because you know we, we start to see more and more of these freak accidents in basketball guys going up for rebounds and Severely breaking ankles and breaking their legs. You know, I know there has to be some sort of recombinant fear, but it just seems as though it's, it's, a, it's I'm not going to say it's a disturbing trend, but like you said, it's all money generated. And Al, you're right. You, you, you do have some of the, the B plus stars of the NBA in these free throw, I mean, uh, three point competitions and some of the lesser known players doing the, the dunk contest and people still come out and support it. So. I guess you're right in that sense, but it's like, to me, it's like, why would I want to sit there and watch an all-star game of players who aren't necessarily first-tier all-stars? <laughs> same, and the same with the Pro Bowl. I understand why Pro Bowl players from both of Super Bowl teams don't play because they have a game the, the, the following week. And I understand due to injury, some other players won't play, but when you're going to like the fifth and sixth selection, why am I watching? <laughs> no, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I really do. But the thing about it is, is that, like you said, some people want to see what's what the future is going to hold. So they'll go and see these stars or good players that are trying to become stars, knowing that they're, they're going to put their effort into whatever it is that they're trying to do. And like, like I said, I gave shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie because, you know, not just because I'm, you know, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan, but more so the fact that, you know, I already knew for a fact that he was going there to try and win the skills competition. 
Like some of these stars right now may just go to just put their name on something to to just know that they participate. But then you have like these unknown people that you may not know that is really going to try to make a name for themselves. And in doing that, they can probably elevate their status to become next star. So a lot of people, you know, may want, I put it like this, uh, a lot of people, some people may want the stars, but then there's some people that may not want the stars, but want to see what other talent is out there. And that's just the nature of any fan, because the NBA doesn't really care whether you are a fan of the stars or the fan of whoever. As long as you're coming and putting your money in, giving them your money to invest in whatever it is that they're putting out there, that's all that matters. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So, um, real quick before we sign off, because I know the hour is almost up, um, the NBA is thinking about changing the format from the Eastern Conference playoff format to the one through 16, that's 16 teams. Um, to be in a playoff format. So real quick, let me get your guys' take on that. On that. Different. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's sort of like the NCAA. Give it a, a madness type of feel. Um, I, I don't see no problems with that. I get it. Not Don't particularly like it because I think you're just – you're – you're coddling a weak, a weak conference because all the good players did a jump shit to the West Coast within the last two or three years. However, if you look back at into the early mid nineties, it was the reverse. You had a lot more of the more dominant teams in the East and the West was a little bit lagging. So I think it goes, I think it's just, just, it's just a pendulum switch. I mean, eventually, Top teams of the West to swing over. LeBron James will be retired, and your East will probably automatically or coincidentally flourish. So, I mean, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to mix it up, but I think it's you're you're coddling, you know, you're coddling the, the league because one conference has been weak over the last several years. I would say that I'm just. It'll be interesting to see how that would work. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not really for or against, but I'll, I'll be interested to see how that would work. And being as though that one team from the East would have to play one team for the West, how the traveling will coincide as well. Um, just, I would love this. I'm interested to see how that would work out. Um, but if one thing that I will say that this will do is we'll definitely have all the teams stop coasting and play harder, especially those top 16 teams to get the right seed that they want. And it's not just thinking about as far as the East or, you know, what's on the West, Western Conference and who's on the Eastern Conference. Um, they would probably battle a lot more harder to get to a higher seed than where they are if they were to be one to 16. So all in all, I still think it would be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious how the format will, will play out this season if they decide to do that. I think that, uh, I don't think that King James would particularly like that because you might wind up with a bad matchup. Yeah, I, I kind of saw the – on social media, they have the actual teams from a 1 to 16 format if the season ended, like, today. Um, so I saw the Cleveland. I forgot who they was matched up against, but – oh, Indiana. I believe it was Indiana. Um, they was matched up against Indiana in the first round, uh, which would have been very interesting considering – all things considering because but, I would probably put my – I would 
Prob- I would have went with Indiana um, prior to the trade. But uh, more what, do you remember what what uh, what seed uh, Cleveland would have been if it was based off this format? format? I believe but, it was. Like, it was I, I believe they was down like five, six, six. I would believe. It's one of those. One of those. It was in the five through eight range. I can't remember off the top of my head. Right. So that would make them like a eight nine seed or seven seven ten seed or something. Something like that. Yes. I think it was more seven ten. If anything, I have to double check. It would be. I'm looking at right now. Look at it'll be a seven seed. Oh, okay. And they would have to play either Houston or Golden State. Wait, first round? In the first round? If they're if right now, if you're looking at the standings where the Cavaliers are right now, I think they have thirty four wins. If you count it out, they would be like a seven seed, I think. Oh, but you are going one through sixteen now, so it'd be like yeah. one oh, sixteen. All, yeah. Fifteen. It'll be just like the east bracket of, of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, there's no yeah, they um yeah, there's no more east west. That'll definitely be one through sixteen top teams. So a uh, quick question before we sign off, guys, which, which I've been hearing a lot of chatter about, but I, I think I already know the answer to this one. Um, and though I hate to talk about this dude too much anyway, but um, <laughs> we're not talking about that guy, the one oh, that Al, okay. Alpha, Alpha hates. Okay, okay, okay. But I mean, I do think his last comment that he said was asinine, but I think they're there. Do we believe that, you know, King James is going to stay with Cleveland or he's going to look for greener pastures come next season? What do you guys think real quick? I think depending on how this team shapes up, I think he may stay. And they still have that that, that first-round pick from Brooklyn. So if Brooklyn is a, a top 15 seed, uh, they get a top 15 pick, I don't see why he wouldn't stay. I definitely see Brooklyn being a top 15 pick. Um, I really think that his decision will be made based off with the outcome of this season, including mm-hmm. the playoffs. I agree with that. Um, how he, how Cleveland does in the playoffs is how he's going to decide whether or not he's going to stay or go. I agree. I think he'll stay. My, my opinion is win or lose. They make the finals win or lose, depending on how they lose, but win or lose, I think he sticks it out one more year. Now, if the, I think if they catch the Houston Rockets in the finals, depending on how this team is clicking and how Kevin Love gets integrated, they win. If they get Golden State, I don't know. But I think I think they do beat the Houston Rockets if they make the Houston if they make it to the finals. I am not a trust me. I am not a believer in James Harden and Chris Paul. Sorry, they'll let you. They'll break your heart each time. I'm, I'm, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I completely understand. But that same disbelief that you have in Chris Paul and James Harden, I have that same disbelief in. Cleveland right now until I see how they do in the playoffs. Just my opinion. But I'm saying, granted, if they make it to the finals, how many um, how many games have they played since they made the trade? Only two. Just two. Two. And if I remember correctly, last week when they were playing in that game, Cleveland was up and then they were down pretty significantly. Significant meaning maybe like 10 or 12 points, but they, they ended up managing to come back to win by like six or seven. 
So they showed a little bit of resiliency. I can't remember the team that they played, but um, they played um, Boston with um, a really tired, you know, Celtics team that looked like they were not interested in playing that game. And then they played OKC where you had Melo, 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 and I think Russ were coming back from injury, and they weren't really gunning at 100 speed. I think the true test, and I agree with you, the next, I think, after this All-Star break, I think the next 10 to 15 games is going to let you know exactly what kind of you know team this Cavs is going to be. I agree. Fun to watch, that's for sure. <laughs> I agree, and that's something that we could definitely continue to talk about because I have a feeling that we're going to talk more about what's going on in the NBA um, going a little bit going forward. But as of right now, we're going to stop right here um, because it's getting close to that time again. So, fellas, let them know where they can reach you at. Ah, you can reach me on the gram and Twitter, J-E-R-O-S-S-7 at. Um, you can reach me at catdaddy1963, that's C-A-T-D-A-D-D-Y, 1963 on Twitter. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram, I am our Qualls. Again, Twitter and Instagram, I am our Qualls. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank for everybody for subscribing. Don't forget to check us out SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts. You know, make sure you check us out there. We really appreciate all the subscription, all the subscription people. Um, all the listeners out there, thank you for your support. Uh, so without further ado, we want to say good night. You guys take care. God bless. Much love to my folks down in Florida. Horrific shooting down in, I believe it was Parkfield, Parkfield High School, I believe. Yeah, prayers go out to all those affected by the gun violence down there in Florida. And all, with all honesty and all respect, you know, that needs to change. So, again, much love to all those people out there. Stay, stay prayed up. Definitely. Being a fighter on a good fight. Definitely. Later. <laughs>